Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From pieces of Eden, solar flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby. You might also know me as SheCup, and I'm one of your hosts for this show. And I'm super, super, super excited for our topic today. And I'm joined here by my co-host. Yeah, and so I am Austin or Teacup, and we are here to talk about a Templar. Actually, I lied. I'm not excited to talk about this. <laughs> well, today we are talking about none other than the Templar Grandmaster of the British Rite of the Order of Templar, Reginald Birch. We first meet Reginald Birch in Assassin's Creed 3 when he meets with Haytham and basically meets with him in the theater and then gives him the contract and then he sends him to America. And really, that's all we get of him in a game is just that introductory. We get a bunch of his background and stuff from the Assassin's Creed Forsaken novel which is a spinoff novel about Haytham and the events of Assassin's Creed surrounding the revolution and everything like that. So we do have some information about him, but like as far as our experience in game, like we don't hunt him down. It's not like he's Rodrigo Borgia, who is like this big enemy that we build up in all of this. He's just a character who sends off Haytham to basically keep the colonies in line. Right. Like, I remember when we did Haytham's character deep dive a few weeks ago, I was like, this is the guy that he makes like a 30 second appearance and that's it. Like, I didn't realize he had so much involvement, not only in the story of Assassin's Creed, but like especially Haytham's life. Yes, he does have a lot of involvement in Haytham's life and we'll get right into that. You ready to dive in? Let's do it. All right. So. His early life, he's born in 1705. And so I just think this event because he's born uh, really close to the start of the 18th century, which he lives fairly most of it, kind of actually, because he doesn't die until after Haytham has met with Keo. And so and that's in like the 60s, the 1750s, 1760s. And so. He lives a good deal. Um, he was born to a London merchant who remains unnamed. Uh, following in his father's footsteps, though, he began dealings at a very, very young age. And by the time he had reached his mid-20s, Birch, Birch owned several merchant ships, mainly involved with the shipment of tea to the to the British America. So, again, this sees that why Birch would have some kind of, like, really, like, the Templars would be on the side of the British after, you know, the Boston Tea Party. And they're starting to disrupt all of this 
money that birch would make in the tea. So in 1723, which would make him 18, Robert Walpole appointed Birch as one of Edward Kenway's senior property managers. So basically, Birch has now infiltrated this high-ranking assassin, very famous assassin, his household. And so it was around this time that he began began courting Jennifer Scott, Edward's daughter, uh, for marriage. And his but his true goal was to gain access to Edward's journal, which contained his research on first civilization settlements in North America. I think this is a big deal because odds are Edward's journal has all kinds of stuff about the observatory too in it. Yeah, probably a lot of information about other assassins and, you know, some of the camps that he claimed during Black Flag. Like, it's probably got so much information in it. Right, exactly. And so in 1733, Birch is introduced to Haytham. And we talked about this on Haytham's Deep Dive. They basically go out to the theater in White Chocolate's house on Chesterfield Street. Uh, on the way back, it's Haytham's Batman origin story. You know, his they're attacked by a mugger. They try to steal Haytham's mother's necklace. Birch tries to kill the man. He's dissuaded by Edward. And then after this, Birch kind of like becomes a frequent visitor in the Kenway household and was deemed suit- suitable for Jennifer to be someone that she would marry, though Jennifer was not happy about it. Though, given Jennifer's background and her the way Edward kind of treated her mother, I would imagine that she wouldn't be happy with any decision Edward makes, and kind of rightfully so. Yeah, that's fair. I um, I agree with that assessment entirely. <laughs> right. So I think it might be that she doesn't trust Birch, which is fair, because he probably does give off a vibe. But also, I just think that she would hate any man that her father presents her for marriage. I mean, most girls would hate anyone that their father's like, hey, why don't you marry this guy? Like, even today, if if I was 16 years old and my dad said, okay, you're going to date this man or this boy, I would be like, no. No, thank you. Right. I'm good. I'll pick who I want. And that's just like a, an urge of teenagers to rebel against their parents. Like, it's just what they do. It's their nature. Right, exactly. And as we know, Birch basically has people from Edward Braddock's, the worst Templar, uh, blackmail Jack Digweek, who was Edward Kenry's uh, valet, which like you hear about that, a valet is a little more involved than just like, it's not just Edward's carriage driver. You know a little bit more. Could you explain to us like what a valet actually is? Well, in Downton Abbey, they call it a valet, first of all. Oh. Second of all, it's, yeah, it's like their driver. It's the person who takes care of their clothing, like, and and not just like the person who takes care of all the clothing. Like, you are specifically assigned to genuinely like the master of the house, like, the dad or whatever like so you're their specific 
servant, their person. You're not just like doing all this stuff. You're not doing the driving for the whole family. Like you're assigned to the father usually is how it works in what I've seen in mostly to be fair in um, period dramas. So that might be inaccurate. If you're a a British aristocrat, uh, feel free to correct me because I'm not that. Right. But it's someone who would have a lot of access to Edward. And a lot of, like, access to where, like, Edward keeps belongings and keeps things and what his daily schedule and what the going on of Edward's life is. Yeah, I mean, this is a person who would know everything about Edward, like, who sees, like, him at the most intimate times of his life, like, does his laundry kind of person. Like, you're a person that you would know everything about him. Absolutely. Right. And so this kind of paints the picture that Digweed is then blackmailed by Braddock's men to try to reveal the location of the journal. But Edward is no fool. He knows the stakes that this journal holds. He knows the stakes that pieces of Eden and Isu technology hold for Templars who might get them. Digweed does not know where the journal is. Because Edward probably has never shown him. Because Edward's not stupid. A lot of people like to point to Edward kind of being a himbo because he makes dumb decisions. But he is he is not dumb. He's arrogant. He's stubborn. He's hard-headed. But he's not dumb. I wouldn't even say he's arrogant. He just wants to do things his way. And disagrees with people who are telling him what to do. Frankly, I completely understand that. But also... He's not a himbo. Like, the whole game, everyone calls him ugly. You can't argue that someone who's been called ugly for a whole entire video game is hot. So that's the first thing. I'm not going to get on my himbo soapbox again. So you've got to move this along. Otherwise, I'll be there again. Okay. Um, So after this event... um. Birch has a conversation with Haytham about his sword training and basically learns where, like, Edward keeps a steel sword for Haytham and basically infers that this is where the journal's location is. So Jennifer is actually the first one to discover that Birch is a Templar, which, you know, good for her. And she does the right thing. She goes and she informs Edward. And so, basically, they have a fight in his office. Birch and Edward have a fight in his office. Uh, and Birch tries to basically threaten Edward into giving him the journal. And, of course, Edward refuses. And, like, this just kind of shows me to think, like, Birch is very young when this comes out. Like, he's mid-20s. He's, like, early 20s, which I guess for time is not that young. But it's still very young, and Edward is more seasoned and I just want to sit here of like, Birch, you, there's no way they the Templars assigned you to this and didn't tell you who he was. Like, you think you're going to blackmail and intimidate this ex-pirate and assassin who took down the Caribbean right of the Templars? Like, really? Yeah, I just feel like Edward probably out of most of the other protagonists has seen the most shit. Like 
he was a pirate. You can't tell me that he hasn't seen some of the roughest kinds of people and been in the roughest locations and probably has been in like the most number of how the hell am I going to get myself out of this situation situations before? Like, do you really think you're going to be able to take down somebody like that? I surely don't. Right. And like, if we really want to talk about the Kenway line for a second, and so the three Kenways that we meet, which are Edward Haytham and Connor, all of them as characteristics have no hesitancy pulling the trigger. Like, if they've decided that you're going to die, you're going to die. That's just how it's going to happen. So I do find it odd that Edward doesn't kill Birch right then and there when Birch is revealed as a Templar. Like, maybe he thinks that he could get more information and figure out, like, who Birch's co-conspirators are. Or maybe he he doesn't want to make such a bold move in a stronghold of the Templar regime, which is Britain. But... I don't know. I feel like he would have killed him. The Edward we see in game at least would have killed him. Or maybe he's getting softer in his old age after his children. I mean, there are, there are a lot of reasons. Or maybe even he didn't want his children to witness that because they're in the home. Yeah. So a day or so later, Bert hires men- mercenaries that attack the Kenway Manor. Uh, they kill Edward, as we talked about. They kidnap Jennifer. Birch arrived, basically ensuring that Haytham is not killed, and they escape the household. And then Birch is appointed, I assume, by, like, a court or whatever, because I guess in the time period, like, Tessa Kenway can't care for the household without, like, a male appointed to supervise her. So he's appointed as the family counselor and Haytham's guardian. He sold Jennifer to Turkish slavers and told Haytham that they would be going to Europe to search for Jennifer. And this is where Haytham is introduced to Braddock and he basically is inducted into the Templar order and he learns that Digweed is missing and and they think Digweed is the one who betrayed Edward and led to the attack. And so we're going to pause here on his story uh, and go to our mid-break. Unless you have some thoughts to share before we do so. No, let's head to the mid-break. Makose! Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! You weak fool. Get a job! Christina! Who's there? Me. Oh, Ezio. I should have known. May I come in? Fine, but only for a minute. A minute is all I need. Indeed. Well, wait, uh, that came out wrong. Okay, so welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we talk about all the things that have to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. So the first thing I have to say is join the Patreon and thank you so much to everybody who supports us over there. Um, You really help us put the show on. Like we said before, this show will always be free. We'll never put the show behind a paywall because everybody deserves to hear about Assassin's Creed lore. But... 
we do do this, um, you know, as a side project. So definitely, if you have the capability to financially support us, we would definitely appreciate that. But if you can't, we totally get it. And the next best thing that you can do to support us is to leave us a rating or a review. And you can leave ratings now on Spotify, ratings and comments, both. So... I do have one to read today from Spotify. You can also leave us um, reviews other other places like on Apple and we'll read those out too. But this one is from Caboose1ZBlue and they said, thank you. I enjoyed this episode very much. I gave a five-star rating after the fourth episode. I'm so glad I found this podcast. And they left that comment on the Haytham Kenway deep dive. So thank you so much uh, Caboose for leaving that awesome review and comment. We're super thankful. And, um, yeah, thanks again. So the next thing I have to tell you about is that you should definitely join the Discord. It is my favorite place on the internet. We have a bunch of fun times theorizing about Ubisoft Forward and all the news and all the things that are happening. So if you want to stay on top of the Assassin's Creed news, the Mirage news, you got to come join the Discord. And then the last thing I have, or one of the last things I have to talk about is my playthrough. I am currently playing through Odyssey and having a phenomenal time, although I will say I was deeply, deeply traumatized by Phoebe's death, which I think we talked about last week on the episode, Um, but yeah, I, I'm really still enjoying it. I recently met Cassandra's father um, and obviously also met her mother again. And I'm taking down the cultists and and uh, mercenaries one by one. And so it's just, I'm really enjoying this game. It has not been that difficult to get the combat down, which has been um, great. But the thing that I think I am in awe of the most with this game is the ship mechanics because like the last game that I finished was Black Flag and for me in Black Flag the biggest challenge was figuring out how to operate the friggin' ship and so going from Black Flag to Odyssey is like literally a world of difference and the ship is so easy to maneuver and so I'm always just like oh this is amazing every time I get in the ship and it immediately responds I'm like this is so nice. This is so beautiful. Good job, team. So that's where I'm at with Odyssey. Uh, I'm excited for you to continue on. Uh, I know you uh, today, as the day we're recording this, you were yelling and screaming at the mirror light puzzles. Um, you yeah, were not a fan. I did. No, not at all. I hated that. I wasn't screaming. I was just frustrated. You were not screaming. That is correct. I was maybe raising my voice a little bit. Yeah. So um, just the last thing I have to say is that, you know, Ubisoft Forward was this past week and we got a new Mirage trailer and obviously we'd had the release date of October and I just think it looks amazing. What do you think? I think it looks great too. Um, I think that this parkour and the stealth all looks awesome. I got really excited at the teleport assassination ability chain thing. That was really cool. Um, but it looks good. I'm glad we're getting we're bringing back like tools and stuff into that 
the one thing that I do kind of wish that they bring they keep in there is I do kind of like the boss fights of like the RPG trilogy. And so if we do have some like, okay, like we actually have to have a boss fight now where you've got to get creative with your assassin's tools, but it's not just like sneak up undetected and stab him with the hidden blade, because I do think that's a critique of the main series is that you can just do whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And that is one of my big critiques of Odyssey is that I can't um, assassinate and like fully assassinate and kill um, someone if they are like too high of a level or a special classification or whatever, um, which really frustrates me. But I completely agree that like in the big boss fights, like it, it is fun to be a little bit more creative. But when I'm just stalking a location, like, let me assassinate them all, please. Right. Like, I like the idea of, you know, in two, at least when you go to assassinate Rodrigo Borgia and you drop down on him, you're like, oh, was that it? We did it. But then, no, he's like, I mean, I remember when you were watching and Ezio was like, requiescat and Pache, you son of a bitch. And like, Rodrigo goes, I don't think so. You literally gasped. I know. I'm pretty sure I actually screamed during that. I was so shocked. Yeah. Um, And that kind of stuff is fun because then you have to like do the dodging stuff and like deal with his staff of Eden and have the fun boss fight in that. Um, And I think that would be fun. I don't want them. I don't want them to get rid of all the RPG elements from the RPG trilogy. Yeah, I completely agree. And like there are some RPG elements in the old games, too. Like we definitely need. A mix like it shouldn't just all be we can't just remake assassin's creed one every time and we can't just remake valhalla mm-hmm. every time like let's find a middle ground where we can be creative just one more thing i would be so excited and this is so niche but i would love to have a similar disguise system as assassin's creed liberation yes yes that was so creative. I loved that. I'll be honest. I didn't use it that much, um, but I, I enjoyed the concept. Right. But I just love the idea of having the ability to sacrifice your like combat prowess to blend better and like really mm-hmm. looking at situations and like, okay, is it better for Basm to look like his full assassin self or to maybe look like a poorer person of the city or to like disguise himself as just a regular Joe Schmo in Baghdad. Like I feel like an assassin, like who's meant to like stalk in the shadows would utilize all those kind of things. Yeah, I completely agree. But I'm very excited. Me too. I got to get through Odyssey and then Valhalla before I can play it though. So I got to get a move on. All right, but let's get back into Mr. Reginald Birch. Malaka! 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 Unless the legend is a lie, you are the man I long to meet, renowned master and mentor. It's your auditori, the la la la. Franco. Uh, forgive me. I have a hard time remembering that Italian gibberish. I'll see you all at the selection ceremony, ladies. 
I especially hope you show up. Let me guess. He's rich. All right. So he's not Grandmaster yet, but he does eventually become Grandmaster of the British right. And so he has Edward's journal, and this is a big deal. And so he starts decoding it, and he learns of all these sites, and he basically learns of the Grand Temple, the, the one in the Americas, and he makes it the Order's top priority. And so he recruits Lawrence Washington, who is some relation, I can't remember, but we meet him in Rogue, but he is either the brother or uncle or cousin to George Washington. And so he becomes a Templar and he returns to Virginia where he's instructed to locate the precursor site and to basically be Birch's eyes and ears in the colonies. So Birch and Haytham continue around Europe to search for digweed. They end up in Torres, France, which we talked about this on the Haytham episode. He trains Haytham, and this is where Haytham officially joins the Templar order. Um, and then Birch then sends Haytham on some assassination missions to this merchant in Liverpool and an Austrian prince. So Birch then in 1747, he had le- he had loaned out Edward's journal to Juan Vedemir, but he turned traitor. He turned turncoat to the Templars and was helping the assassins. So he sends Edward to get it and Edward returns with the journal. And it's then in Prague that Birch basically drops the bomb that Tessa has died. His mother is dead. And they attend her memorial. Uh, They discover Digweed is in Germany. And they go to find Digweed with Braddock's mercenaries. Braddock's mercenaries go ahead of them to basically try to keep the truth from Haytham. Birch sends them on so that Haytham won't discover the truth. So here's a little uh, Assassin's Creed liberation uh, nugget for you. So in 1748, Birch was contacted by uh, Madeline de la Cille, who told him about a piece of Eden called the Heart of the Brotherhood that was stolen by a slave woman named Jean a year earlier. Upon discovering that Jean had been purchased by Philippe de Grappe, Madeline asked Birch to use his influence in the financial world to hinder the profits made by his company. When he was vulnerable, she would approach him with an offer of marriage that would allow him to restore his business and provide her with an opportunity to get close to Jean and the heart. So this is basically how the main villain of Assassin's Creed Liberation gets to where she is. It's from Birch's influence. That's so interesting. And also it's it's fascinating to me that like, so Madeline is... Aveline's stepmother and Jean is Aveline's mother. It's so interesting to me that they are connected to one another way before the protagonist of that game even comes into the picture. So it makes me wonder, like, does Madeline basically plan all this out to seduce um, Philippe and then, like, you know, make her inroads? Like, I don't know. It just makes the conspiracy theory brain in me start ticking. Um, I will say, like, Madeline, she is very calculating, and it would not be surprised surprise me if she orchestrated all of that. Yeah, that's fair. It's also interesting to me that, like, she's a Templar, but she is an advocate for abolition of slavery. Right. And 
I think it's interesting that like the Templars almost, especially in like once the colonial period happens, they kind of adapt the like assassin policy of everything is permitted of like the rules and regulations of the world don't matter to us as long as we can accomplish our goal and maintain control. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all we have on that. And if you want more about like what happens with her and that go play Assassin's Creed Liberation. If you have the remastered version of AC3, you can go and play that. And it's great. And you can learn more about that and the heart and all of that. So when Birch discovered that Washington had made no progress in his search for the temple uh, and that he had allowed a new assassin brotherhood to rise in the colonies headed by Achilles, Birch sends Lieutenant Colonel George Monroe to North America to assist Washington, stating in a letter that while Monroe was to be Washington's subordinate, he was still his better in every way. And that happens in Assassin's Creed Rogue. And you can find that out through all of that. So it's around this time that he also learns of the existence of something called the Prophecy Disc, which we talked about last episode, in that that contained like evidence of like the election of Eve as leader of the Isu human war and all of this events or whatever, which it's a big deal. And so basically some Templars work to excavate a Mayan city and attempt to locate the artifact. So Birch lets them do that and basically works his magic to get slaves to work for this. Uh, While initially headquartered in Florida, Birch had the operation moved to Louisiana under Madeline's command to avoid detection by the assassin. She impressed Birch with her resourcefulness and was promoted to Master Templar around 1751. So basically, Birch goes and moves this search for this prophecy disc that was headquartered in Florida. He moves it to Louisiana, to New Orleans. And because basically he's like, you know, Madeline, you basically maneuvered your way into this very prominent place and gave us a foothold in Louisiana. You're going to be a master Templar. It's very interesting. Um I don't remember if he ever even appears in Liberation, but clearly, I mean, he's so involved with some of the main things that happen in it. Right, exactly. So, Haytham, after Haytham interacts with Keo, as we talked about, basically, Lee comes to him and says that they found his half-sister. And so they go to Damascus and basically rescue Jennifer Scott. And Jennifer tells Haytham, like, you're a dumbass. Birch murdered our father. Like, he's the one behind all of this. He's manipulating you. He's doing all of this. So Haytham is naturally, like, he's already conflicted because he loves Keo and he doesn't really want to search for all this precursor artifact. He's already had like tension with Birch. He's lying to Birch saying like, oh yeah, we're working to fighting this precursor artifact. And he's like, oh, y'all forget the pre, you you all forget that it's not important. Let's do this. And so he's like, we're gonna go kill him. And so they storm his chateau. Birch tries to justify his actions to Haytham by basically saying like, oh, I did everything for the greater good. 
and Haytham's like, you manipulated me, arranged the murder of my father, lied to me, sold my sister into slavery, all to make me a Templar. And Birch basically then engaged in a fight with Jennifer, and she kills him by throwing him into a sword that Haytham had planted in the door. And that's the death of Reginald Birch. And so I have some personality things to talk to about and some fun facts. And then we can get into a little bit of discussion on him. All right. So Reginald Birch was a fanatic obsessed with gaining power by the East Sioux uh, by any means necessary while masking it beneath the veneer of basically like we are chivalrous knights, Templars who do this and he indoctrinates hate them so basically his personality is built around like all templars he's a pathological liar i mean i wouldn't say that hate them is a pathological liar but definitely the rest of them that i've seen um and that's really all we kind of get with his personality but this really shocked me the fun fact that i have because reginald's voice actor is one of my favorite voice actors in all of video gaming and versus and voice is one of my favorite characters. But like Reginald Birch is voiced. Yeah. Reginald Birch is voiced by Gideon Emery. Yeah, who plays Fenris in Dragon Age. It's really interesting. I didn't I don't think I picked up on it in three, but I feel like Birch makes such a short makes such short appearances in the games that it's like, oh, well, it's really easy to miss, especially when you're focused on the beginning at like figuring out what's happening. Um, And, you know, we've talked about his involvement in liberation is intense. Like he's behind most of the game, but we never see him. So right. I guess that's why, but I I don't know. It is so funny that we never picked up on that. Right. Um, So kind of mentions of Birch, obviously we see him in three uh, he's mentioned in Liberation, at least probably in some like database entries and things like that. Um, fun fact, before the Haytham reveal in 3, Birch and Haytham are mentioned by Sean Hastings as assassins. That was before like they revealed that Haytham was a Templar. So I think that that's a really fun touch of like Sean just working off the information that he sees. Um, rather than like really looking into it when he's also mentioned in Assassin's Creed Syndicate, uh, when the assassins are talking about uh, Crawford Sterrick, when they're talking about him, basically one of them writes in a letter that's like, it's like Reginald Birch has risen from the grave. So obviously, like he is synonymous with like this master manipulator and master controller of all of this around there. And then some of the his big quotes that he adds, he says to Haytham, I tried to do what was right, Haytham. Surely you can understand that. And then when he's sending Haytham, he says, go forth, Haytham, and bring honor to us all. Which our now question is like, why do you love or hate him? Like, who is he to talk about honor? Like, mm-hmm. you have no honor. Yeah. And I think the thing for me is like, this man is an abuser. This man is such a master manipulator that he weaseled his way into a home into the home of edward who i guess edward officially joins the assassins right yes yeah okay so he weasels his way into the home of an assassin and basically manipulates him 
so much and just so he can steal his journal and begin manipulating his children. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't understand how people like that live with themselves. I don't understand like how you can do that to another human being. For me, that's where I'm at personally. Um, But yeah, this Reginald Birch, you're trash. I mean, he grooms Haytham. Maybe not like in a sexual sense, but in like the basic definition, he grooms Haytham. Yeah. Yeah. He grooms him to join the Templars and become part of the Templars instead of what Edward was raising him to be part of, probably the assassins. Right. So I think we're on the same thing of like, we hate this character. Uh, Oh, for sure. I think he is a good villain. Uh, He's obviously not up there as my favorite villains, like Haytham as a Templar and really like a conflicted villain. Like, no, you're bad. You're like a bad person. But I want to say this, like without Birch in the equation, do you think Haytham would have been an assassin? Yes, wholeheartedly. I mean, I even said, I think in our, one of our past episodes about how I think that if Haytham's life had turned out differently, he would be an assassin. And if Birch wasn't in the picture, I don't see anything that would even draw him to the Templars. Right, exactly. And I think that, I think that Haytham, I think that the Templars in Britain and their rise would be a non-issue if Haytham was an assassin. Yeah. I mean, think about how different it would be if Haytham had been on the side of the assassins. Like, completely different. Yes. Um, and you'll definitely, I'll, I'll be curious to see your, whenever you go back and play Rogue, I'll be curious to see your responses because we do get more Haytham con- uh, content and like his own interactions and like more history between Haytham and Achilles too, which is really great. Um, but yeah, I do. I think I agree with you. I think that Haytham would have been an assassin. I think that he would have done all of that. And like, I think really like Haytham's recruitment really kind of speaks to Birch as an abusive personality because he goes into that situation. His mission is not to recruit new Templars. His mission is to find Edward's journal and get that journal out. But he sees this eight-year-old boy and says, oh, I can manipulate him and get him to be one of us. Right. Which, like, okay, first of all, that's not an accomplishment. Like, eight-year-olds want automatically want to look up to the people that are around to them. Like, It's just what kids do. So first of all, not an accomplishment. Second of all, like what kind of a shitty person do you have to be to manipulate and groom a child? Like, nah, nah, fam, you are trash. That is Palpatine level evil. True. Well, that's all I got for Reginald Birch. All right. Well, then let's wrap it up. Thank you, Austin, for bringing all of this research together. Um, Birch is a very interesting character, one that I dislike very much, um, but it is still important to understand their backstory. So thanks again. Um, And thank you all for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We will see you next time. Thanks for 
listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. Find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light. Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age lore cast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Swooping.